Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, back home here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, I'm done with school for the semester. I'm back on winter break. I'm home. Uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Uh, we're hoping it's good and you're spending some quality time uh, with the people you love, wherever that may be across Big Ten country, because it's bowl season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And we've got, at the very least, another nine Big Ten football games, maybe 10, depending on some news that we got word of today. But joining me to break down at least nine games, uh, well, eight today, because we've got one that we're going to do a special edition episode for, we're going to get into later. Uh, it's Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? I'm excited for bowl season. Um, last night, be? we had, Patrick, I've been texting you about the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. I said it was what <laughs> dreams are made of when the matchup first came out, and that was what the game, it was a terrific game. Uh, I think San Diego State plus two and a half. They got nice. the win, so Great job. I'm feeling good. Great job. Uh, what's your favorite part of bowl season so far, Reed? Is it the fry bath? Is it just last night's game in general, just being a pretty good one? Is it uh, R&L Carriers? who I will be using for all of my cross country shipping needs. Well, I gotta be honest with you. Um, I feel like, uh, I feel horrible for saying this, but with the day the first bowl game happened, I didn't even realize it. Um, what was the first bowl game? Uh, I think it was the Bahamas bowl. I had no idea. The Bahamas oh yeah. Bowl yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I used to care a lot more about the, um, about the little conference USA versus Sunbelt kind of bowl games. Um, and I don't really watch those as intensely now, but it's nice. I'm, I'm super excited for the first – or I guess it'll be the second Power 5 Bowl game tonight with Missouri playing against Army. Uh, we had a pretty decent uh, Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl with Utah State. What a name. Oregon State. I would say the L.A. Bowl so far has been the highlight of it. I just like Power 5 football. It was mm -hmm. a good matchup. It's a super cool stadium. Low-scoring game. Um, but I'm just excited. I'm really excited to see the Big Ten teams in the field, to be honest with you. I am too. Yeah. I mean, these are these are games we have circled on our calendar all year long as, you know, the goal at the end of the season for Big Ten teams. Six wins at the very least. That'll get you in. But in one special scenario, five wins might be enough. As we got word today, Texas A&M, the Aggies, uh, who I'm actually wearing a sweatshirt of right now, uh, coincidentally, um, the Aggies are not going to the Gator Bowl, a uh, former Big Ten bowl game, now an ACC versus SEC bowl game. Uh, because of COVID concerns within their program down at College Station. So there's an open spot to play against the 10-2 and two Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Uh, Wake, a very good team, could be playing against a 5-7 and seven Big Ten team. As we got word today that Rutgers and Illinois are both in consideration to play in the Gator Bowl uh, to replace Texas A&M uh, here in Jacksonville. But it's also possible that a team plays a second bowl game, as there was some some talk about uh, the Gator Bowl potentially bringing in a team who's already played a bowl. But uh, if that doesn't happen, it could be Rutgers or Illinois. So Rutgers five and seven, uh, they did beat Illinois in the regular season, so they have that head to head. Maybe they'd get the the nod over the Illini. But Jacksonville Jaguars owner Shad Khan is an Illinois alum and has been pushing to get the Illini in this game against Wake. So. This may not be a fully exhaustive list of Big Ten Bowl previews, but Reed, would you like to see Rutgers or Illinois take take the field in this game? Obviously, the Gator Bowl is a, a game, a lot of Big Ten history. Last time a Big Ten team played in the Gator Bowl, 2019 Indiana and Tennessee. Please do not ask how that game went. <laughs> um, but this is a, a Big Ten Bowl game at its heart, even if it's not a Big Ten Bowl game anymore. I think it'd be kind of cool to see the Rutgers or Illinois take the field in this game, particularly for either of these programs that made a lot of progress um, in the last couple of years, I think last two years for Rutgers and 
this season for Illinois definitely felt like a different team uh, than it was under Lovey Smith with Brett Bielema in his first year. I'd like to see either of these teams play, and, and it'll probably be Rutgers if I had to, to put money on it. Yeah, I would love to see Rutgers um, or Illinois, but especially Rutgers just because it's been such a long fight for them to – I mean, it's been a long fight for Illinois to get oh, to bowl yeah. eligible, eligibility too. But for Rutgers, it feels, yeah. Illinois it feels played like an even longer fight. Ago. Rutgers, they've been the mm-hmm. laughing stock of college football for a long time. I would love to see them get in. In the first ever episode of this podcast, I bashed Rutgers about how much I hate them. I don't really <laughs> hate them as much anymore. There is nothing to respect about Rutgers. I mean, there's that's still kind of true. There's not much to respect. Um, that's a that's an all timer of a quote by Reed. Yeah. yeah, do not take that out of context. Yeah, I, I certainly have gained a lot more respect for Rutgers over the last couple of years under Shiano. Um, that's you know what I want to see more though. Right direction. I would. I mean, I'd love to see Rutgers. I actually would rather see a team play a second bowl game because just imagine that that uh, I to my knowledge, I don't know if that's ever happened. I mean, this has happened in the playoff where you not play yeah not including the in playoff. semifinal yeah. and the national championship, but. Two just regular standard bowl games. That seems like a perfect Affleck trivia question of, uh, <laughs> you know, what was the it's the only team to have ever played fourteen games in a season, um, and hasn't participated in the conference championship or the playoff. Uh, or imagine a team with twenty twenty one guaranteed rate bowl champions, twenty twenty one Outback Bowl champions. Um, speaking of guaranteed rate bowl, I think Minnesota would be a cool team to play. To, I mean, if, if I had to pick a team to play two bowl games, Minnesota seems like a good choice. They have an eight and four record. It's not bad. They can compare to Wake Forest record much better than a five and seven Rutgers or some other five and seven team can. Um, they're playing December 28th. So, mm-hmm. you know, they wouldn't because the Gator Bowl is on the 30th, right? Yeah, it's the 30th, I believe. So, yeah, I mean, that, that already knocks out three Big Ten teams. You know, you can't play twice in one day. Minnesota would at least have day off. Um, so, I mean, that one could work. I think that'd be cool. Or imagine, I actually would kind of like to see Iowa get bumped. Actually, we're getting crazy. There's no way they're going to put a team. They're going to give them one break and play a second bowl game. Um, I yeah, think I don't, I don't see a second bowl, bowl game happening, especially because. You know what could happen, though? Yeah. I could see, let's say, San Diego State. We were just talking about them earlier. Um, they would have had a couple days to rest, about a week or so. Um yeah, but the tough part is a lot, a, great record. a lot of those guys after bowl games, teams pretty much shut down after the bowl game or after the season's over. They stop practicing. They stop meeting. Everybody goes home, sees their families, goes home for the holidays. A second bowl game seems really, really hard. Uh, a team like Illinois, though, you know, coming back to, to campus, even that's tough because they haven't practiced for, what, a month at this point? Um, they haven't played a game in a month almost uh, by, by the time they'll have done that they want to practice they want to play i feel like whoever goes and plays wake forest will get destroyed i think so too yeah because they just won't have the practice they won't have the reps versus the team and i feel bad for wake forest too because they they want to have a chance to prove themselves against a&m no they're not going to have that you know a real big sec opponent a team who knocked off alabama that would have been a great win for wake if they were to pull it off but you know, this this is this is a shame for them. It's a shame for those Wake players uh, and the AM players. The AM players, yeah. The, yeah. Um, nothing good all around, but that's that's COVID. That's the that's the world we live in today, and, and it sucks. But we could potentially be seeing Rutgers or Illinois. That's that's the main takeaway here is that uh, maybe more Big Ten football, and I certainly would not complain about that. But yeah, um, definitely something to keep an eye on, something to monitor. But instead of talking about a game that may or may not happen. Let's talk about a game we know for sure is happening, and we're going to be very brief on this one, Michigan and Georgia. Uh, We're not going to talk much about this one because we're going to have a special 
full preview episode coming in the next couple of days, previewing this game and breaking it down from all angles, you know, similar to our old pre playoff preview episodes for Ohio state, obviously Ohio state's on the playoff this year. So we can't do an Ohio state preview episode. And I know some of us think those are a little more fun than a Michigan playoff preview <laughs> episode that than others would think, but uh, Michigan's in the playoff and we're going to talk about it. Uh, not a ton to talk about right now. But we're going to save some takes for our next episode of the podcast. So basically what we did for bowl season in 2019, if you remember that episode, um, but Reed, let's just be quick here. Michigan or Georgia, who's your pick? You don't have to get too much into why. We can save some secrecy for next time. Please tune in for our next episode. We promise it's going to be a good one. with the guest you won't want to miss. But Reed, Georgia, Michigan, who wins the Orange Bowl? Patrick, in the bowl of necessary evils between Georgia and Michigan, the pick <laughs> for me is pretty simple. And, and you know it already. What's my name? Come on, I'm not picking Michigan. <laughs> Going with Georgia in this one. Um, again, we'll talk about it in greater detail later, but for now I have the Bulldogs winning the orange bowl. Uh, I'm going to take Michigan. Uh, I'm not going to say why, but I'm going to say that my formula coach quarterback home field advantage, you can take away home field advantage for this one. But when you talk about coach and quarterback, I trust Michigan. That's all I'm going to say. All right. I'm excited to break that one down. Should be a lot of fun. We will get that up soon. So keep an eye out for the next episode of the podcast. All right, let's go top to bottom with the rest of the Big Ten Bowl games here. Uh, another New Year's Six game here for the Big Ten, the Rose Bowl game. Uh, finally back in Pasadena after last year, it was the college football playoff semifinal in Texas, and it was Notre Dame and Alabama, maybe the least Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl of all time. Uh, just an all-around disgusting affair of football, whether you look at the scoreboard or just the fact that it was a Rose Bowl being played in front of an empty crowd in Texas between Notre Dame and Alabama. Yeah, just an awful game. This feels a lot more Rose Bowl. Utah, Ohio State, Utah getting that Rose Bowl appearance. What a what a cool thing for that program. But Ohio State, uh, ranked number two going into the Michigan game, of course, fall to the Wolverines for the first time since 2011. Now they're still going to the Rose Bowl game, which is an excellent landing spot for the Buckeyes. Uh, Ohio State in the Rose Bowl against Utah. Reed, we still are waiting on some news with, with things like opt-outs. We haven't heard whether Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, among others, will be playing in this game. I'm under the assumption they do, and we're going to preview this under the assumption that those kinds of players are playing. We haven't heard anything about opt-outs for Utah or Ohio State yet, and obviously that's something you have to take into account with every bowl game these days. And you talk about guys who are going to be NFL-caliber players. Opt-outs are just a reality of the sport. Like it or not, agree with it or not. It's a thing. You have to understand the decision. You have to understand that that's just a part of picking bowl games. So Ohio State, though, should be a pretty big favorite here over Utah. Utah's been in top form recently, though. Two big wins over Oregon, just absolutely destroyed in both times, but uh, has been spotty at other points in the season. Lost uh, their rivalry game to BYU for the first time in forever. So two teams uh, who have had all in all, I think, pretty successful seasons, but did lose uh, their big rivalry game, both of them this year. Uh, although Utah did claim that Pac-12 championship, which is huge for that program. And certainly all they've been through the last couple of years, having two players pass away, um, definitely some, some excellent news for the Utes. But Reed, Ohio State should take care of business here, right? Why is oh. Ohio State going to win this game? When you talk about uh, favorites and things like that, the bowl picks that I did, uh, Ohio State was six and a half point favorites. I don't know. Maybe this is just a mistake on the ESPN app that I'm looking at. But I'm looking at the game, uh, at the game preview from ESPN. 
It says Utah minus six and a half. Seems like which, an error. Seems like it, an error. It seems like an error, especially because that six and a half is the exact same number that Ohio State was favored in the picks that I did. I think it's a typo. But, yeah, it, it definitely could be a typo, but I when I was picking this game um, in my uh, in my bowl pick'em uh, thing, I I don't want to pick against Ohio State because I'm a fan of them. That's as my dad would say, bad mojo. But um, I was tempted to go with Utah with this spread. I mean, you look at what Ohio State's done. The, the biggest problem for Ohio State this year has been how well do they face adversity, and the answer to that question is not very well. Um, they face adversity multiple times throughout the season, most notably against Michigan, but also um, in the Oregon game, a team that Utah dismantled twice. Oregon, they posed some challenges um, on offense. They had sort of a, a two-dimensional type of offense. The defense just didn't let Ohio State walk all over them. They stopped them from time to time. Um, and Ohio State seemed to get frustrated quickly, and they – did not seem to manage that frustration well. Um, and then the first or the second Ohio State game, I was there for the season, the Penn State game. That was a game where Penn State made Ohio State look, you know, Ohio State was on a, an upward trend. They made Ohio State look weak. They brought them down back down to earth. So I think Ohio State could be in a close game here. I think that this one, um, some Ohio State fans might think, oh, nice. We got Utah. We didn't get, you know, a team like Notre Dame or, Ole Miss or Baylor or something, they think, oh, we got Utah. That's fine. No, it's not fine because I think the number 11 ranking for Utah is a little deceiving. Um, and I think they got that 11 just because they have three losses. But especially when, when you look at their most recent game against Oregon and two weeks before that, the other Oregon game, twice in a row, they made Oregon look like a team of high schoolers. So that's not to say they're going to do the same to Ohio State. Um, I don't think the transitive win applies here, but I'm not too confident about this one. I think Ohio State comes away with a win, and I think mainly it's it, it it comes down to who wants it more. And I think Ohio State's going to want. I mean, Utah's going to want it plenty, but I think after having such a crushing loss against Michigan, Ohio State needs to prove themselves. I think they end up doing it. And the Rose Bowl, of course, you know, it's a horrible situation for Ohio State to be in, losing to the rival they haven't lost to um, in ten years, but. The Rose Bowl is still a pretty, like you said, it's a pretty great place to land. Uh, I think the team is going to be ready for it. I don't think Wilson or Olave will opt out. Um, I don't think that if, if Olave stayed, the fact that Olave is on the team right now instead of going to the draft last year, said, that says to me that he probably will not opt out here. I think if he, he's, if he decided to stick with the team for a senior year, I think he sticks with it for the final game of his senior year. Um, Garrett Wilson, I think he's gone to the draft this year, but I think he's going to stay for his final game, both for, you know, one reason for that is because obviously he's, he's shown great skill this year, but he hasn't gotten the video game numbers that he might've hoped for just because of the number of weapons in the wide receiving core. So we might be hoping to get his stats up against the solid defense, uh, help us draft stock here. And I think it also has to do with the fact that, um, he lives in Ohio for part of his life. He was an Ohio state fan. Um, just lost to Michigan that this is a game where you're playing for your pride um so I think both of those players stay for those reasons of course you know the other two offensive stars Stroud and Henderson both freshmen they are they will definitely be playing barring some sort of uh injury or COVID case they will be on the field I think I don't think any one of the defense is going to opt out of this game either 
I think the only person who would would be Haskell Garrett. I don't think he will. It's it's a it's a similar situation. I, I think he's the type of player where he would see um, the importance of being with your teammates uh, for a game like this as more important than his draft stock. So I think all the stars in the Ohio State team will be on the field. I think that's important. And I, I think that gets the job done for them. But I don't think Ohio State puts on the type of offensive performance that they saw against maybe Michigan State or Purdue. I think it's going to be a game where Ohio State – I think it's going to run pretty similarly to the Penn State game. Ohio State thinks they're going to come in um, and kind of just light it up. I think that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. They're going to have some bad plays on offense. They're going to maybe throw an interception or two. But I think in the end, they pull away with a 34-24 win. It'll be not the prettiest of Rose Bowl wins, but I think it will be a Rose Bowl win regardless. I like, I, Ohio, I like Ohio State here too, but I do think that this game means a lot more to Utah than it means to Ohio State. You know, when you think about Ohio State, obviously not making the playoff is a letdown. Um, that's not the case for pretty much every other program in the sport. You know, for anybody else, I think the Rose Bowl is, is just about the pinnacle of achievement. And certainly here in the Big Ten, I think just about every team has a great respect for the Rose Bowl. And not to say Ohio State doesn't, because the Rose Bowl still means a whole heck of a lot to just about every program in the country. Yes, Ohio State included, even if it's not the playoff. But the fact of the matter is it's not the playoff and it doesn't have that same level. It feels like a consolation prize for Ohio state. Right. Um, you know, the, that's what you get for not beating Michigan. Right. But uh, it doesn't feel the same as making the playoff. I think this means a lot more to Utah to, to prove that they are a national uh, contender of a program to knock off an Ohio state in, in the Rose bowl. Do you know what that does for your program? Do you know how crazy that is for, for Utah? Uh, to have that opportunity. So I think they're going to get up for this game, similarly to, to what you said about Penn State and Oregon did against Ohio State. But ultimately, Ohio State is a more talented team, and it's not like Ohio State isn't going to you know get up for this or have some hype for it. They have a lot to prove. Ohio State has to prove that they're not going to fall apart after the Michigan game. They have to prove that they are still big, bad Ohio State. They can still beat anybody on any given day and that they are still the Big Ten's premier team because – you know, if they go and they just dismantle Utah and let's say Michigan goes and loses to Georgia, I, I think that a lot of our previous narratives about what Ohio State is and what Michigan is are, are going to be solidified versus if Ohio State goes and loses this game and Michigan wins, it feels like a bit of a changing of the guards, even more so than we already felt at the end of the season uh, and with Michigan winning the Big Ten championship. So Ohio State has a lot to prove in this game, uh, if you're asking me. This certainly isn't just another meaningless bowl game, you know, it's the Rose Bowl. It's the Rose Bowl. This game means a lot. It is historically the biggest bowl game. I think still to this day, ignoring playoff implications, is the biggest bowl game. It, it, it is, to avoid cliche, it just means more, right? Uh, the Rose Bowl game is an iconic game. Pasadena, the San Gabriel Mountains, 110,000 people packed to the brim half one color, half the other color, the end zone's painted, the flyover, all of it. It's so unbelievably iconic. And, and that opportunity for those players, I don't think you could. It really is such a special, special moment to get to play in the Rose Bowl game. I've talked to people who've played in the Rose Bowl, uh, and they say it's the best memory of their life. It really is just an experience unlike any other and part of why I think college football is the best sport in the world. So uh, beyond all those, beyond the, you know, it's just a, a bowl game. It's not a playoff. You don't have a shot at a championship. If you ignore all that, whatever. Um, this is still one of the most meaningful games in the sport. And I think it's going to be a game that everybody on both sides uh, who's playing on the field remembers for the rest of their lives. So uh, cherish it. The Rose Bowl is awesome. So uh, 
I, I know I would do anything to see my team play in a Rose Bowl. So uh, don't overlook it. Don't underestimate the importance of this game. It still means a lot. And I think Ohio State's getting it up for it. Uh, 31-24 Buckeyes is going to be my pick. Reed, I can't hear you. Reed, are you there? Oh, I said I like that pick, my bad. Okay, yeah, you're good. Yeah, Reed's back. Okay, uh, so we both agree there. Ohio State wins uh, the Rose Bowl game presented by Capital One, a brand-new sponsor for, for the Rose Bowl. Interesting. Um, Capital One Venture X. Venture X, excuse me. Yeah, Capital One Venture X. Extreme, extreme credit. <laughs> I like the fact that it's not called the Capital One Venture X Rose Bowl. I like the fact that they at yes, least made it yes. presented by. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the Rose Bowl should be the Classy. one game that does not have a sponsor. I guess one of two games because the, the championship Bahamas doesn't Bowl. have a sponsor. The Bahamas Bowl doesn't have a sponsor. so long. But uh, yeah, Reed, I think the Rose Bowl should not have, not Reed, have a sponsor. The Bahamas Bowl doesn't have a sponsor. Really? No, it doesn't. Wow. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm sure it will be next year. I'm shocked yeah, that no one swooped in and got that sponsorship. I know. Why couldn't we sponsor the Bahamas Bowl? Because <laughs> we don't have <laughs> half a million dollars. Do you think they, if they just need a last minute sponsor, do you think we could have been like, it's five bucks okay? <laughs> 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 uh, I think they had offers for more than five bucks. But ah. I also know, though, that like when we saw with Jimmy Kimmel, we saw it with it was it was the makers wanted uh, Bahamas Bowl, which literally meant it was some it, it was, was like an ad to get people Chicago to come to the Chicago area, El- Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Yeah, um, and you know the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. There could be first and ten bowl one day. Yeah, I the- maybe not quite the Rose Bowl. We could probably get the uh, we could probably change the guaranteed rate bowl to the first and ten bowl. <laughs> Years down how about the, the uh how about the uh bitcoin st petersburg bowl oh that was a good one yeah i kind of like i think we should change the name of the quick lane bowl to the rjm visuals bowl what do you think i like it that? yeah i like it why don't we just have a different game that we play ourselves and we call it the rjm visuals bowl <laughs> the student media bowl that actually that one actually sounds good yeah <laughs> you guys got a lot of funding that would be a great way to spread the word about the student media poll actually. yeah what if we just had our own game where we get a bunch of people at, at at student papers across the country all the all the college journalism majors to play a game of football and and put it uh-huh. in like i don't know where do we put it like shreveport oh no you gotta put it in, <laughs> i don't know put it put it in uh bloomington put- no, we're gonna put it in uh Bring it in, home. we're gonna put it in Birmingham. It's gonna be the halftime entertainment of the Birmingham Bowl. <laughs> I think that one's called the LendingTree.com bowl or something like that. Oh, they it's not the Birmingham Bowl anymore? I think they changed it. No, it's a shame. I think, I think they changed it. There is no worse fate for an SEC team. All right. Anyway, moving on from our, our little side tangent about bowl games. Let's move on to a bowl game that I think matters a lot. Uh, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Uh, I think it matters a lot more than the players do. Uh, December 30th, 7 o'clock ESPN in Atlanta. Michigan State, number 10 in the nation, taking on the ACC champs, the Pitt Panthers. Uh, neither of these teams are what they were in the regular season, though. Um, and I, I have my opinions on opt-outs. Personally, I understand why players opt out. I'm going to be honest. I get it. I'm not anti-player. Um, I get why you opt out. I get why you want to save your body for the NFL, why you want to you know, not risk those millions upon millions of dollars in, in your career if you get injured, because people have gotten injured in these bowl games before. If you want to call them, quote unquote, meaningless, which I don't like, uh, I think it devalues these games because I think they matter a lot when it comes to building a program. Uh, but, you know, if you're one of those players and you opt out, I get it. I understand why. 
Uh, personally, if I were playing and I were in that situation, I couldn't do that. I couldn't let my teammates down. Uh, and I would want to play for my school one last time and represent and get a win and, uh, and make my team and my school proud. Uh, so I don't agree with the decision to opt out personally, although I understand. Um, Michigan State is not going to have Kenneth Walker. Pitt's not going to have Kenny Pickett. These teams aren't the same. Uh, I think you can throw the regular season pretty much completely out the window for both of these teams uh, because they're not going to have their two superstar players. So I'm not sure who to pick in this game. Uh, I think the answer is I'm going to take Pitt with a backup quarterback over Michigan State without Kenneth Walker because, number one, Michigan State relies a whole lot more on Kenneth Walker than Pitt does on Kenny Pickett, and Pitt relies a lot on Kenny Pickett. Don't get it twisted. Um, But beyond that, Michigan State's secondary is terrible and Pitt throws the ball a billion times a game. So even without their offensive coordinator, another thing Pitt's not going to have, and their quarterback, um, I think Pitt's game plan isn't going to be any different. They're still going to throw the ball a lot. And while they wish they could get Keaton Slovis, their new transfer, to, to suit up for this game, I'm sure. I, I think even with a back quarterback, the ball a lot, Pitt's going to win this game. So I'm going to take Pitt 37, uh, Michigan State 17 here. I think Pitt scores a lot of points, and Michigan State really struggles with that yeah, this one, uh, this is one I like to call the no Kenny Bowl. Both teams missing their <laughs> great players. Named know, it's, Ken. God, it's a shame because we could have had such a fun game with those two guys. I think we could have seen a real shootout of sorts, and those teams would have would have gone toe to toe. But without those two players, this really, you know, it's going to be a tough to watch game. I think. I still don't understand. We've talked about this on uh, private phone calls, not on the show, about why Kenny Pickett has. Why is he not playing this game? He has a chance to go on the biggest stage against one of the worst pass defenses in the country and light it up, completely pad his stats, improve his draft. He'd throw for like 600 yards. Yeah, he he can put up CJ Stroud numbers, and he's deciding not to, which I don't understand. You know, I guess I get the the injury aspect of that. You know, if he takes one bad hit or turns his ankle funny suddenly instead of a first-round draft pick, he's a third-round draft pick or something. But, like, come on. That, that doesn't I think it's worth the risk. A, I think the yeah, benefit it, it, that doesn't happen as often as, as you know, people would lead you to believe. When, yeah, when so you talk I, about I don't, I don't love his opt out. I understand it more for <sighs> Kenneth Walker. Um, and I don't like the way that, I don't like the way that opt outs get painted. I don't like it as, Oh, he's, he's, you know, how often do career ending injuries happen in bowl games to, to the point of where it, it affects a first round or injuries game? period. Yeah, I mean, well, injuries happen every game, but you know that's no. Different but I mean, like that. like serious injuries that set you back a couple months, right? Or yeah, an injury that's gonna you know stop you from being an, a first round pick, and suddenly you lose millions of dollars. Because people always say, "Oh, you're gonna lose millions of dollars," but how often does that actually happen in practice? It's a total theoretical. I think it's a straw man argument. I don't like it. It feels like you're you're letting your teammates down. If you ask me personally. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends case to case. Um, no, and, it, it certainly course, does. Can, course, never it, say when it makes we more sense. Because we're not elite athletes. But. Right. Yeah. It, and it's tough to, you know, it's a, it's a situation like that where, where you can't be in those shoes unless you're really in those shoes. Uh, but it doesn't feel right. And, and I get why fans are upset if, if those guys don't play. I, I understand that. And I understand why the guys don't. But uh, the logic doesn't make a ton of sense to me when, when you really deconstruct it. But yeah, um, without those two players, this, this game definitely loses a lot of luster. But but Reed, who do you who do you like here? So in this one, I originally had Pitt because uh, I thought Kenny Pickett was playing. 
And I have a lot riding on Pitt winning this game because um, in my picks, we, we do it by with spreads and by confidence in the game. I have the most confidence in is Pitt winning this one uh, with a spread of, I want to say like one and a half points. So I got a lot riding on Pitt winning this one. I don't think it's going to happen though. Um, ESPN still gives Pitt the edge. I don't agree there. Um, you know, you look at Nick Patty, I think I pronounced his last name right. It's P-A-T-T-I. He's their backup quarterback. He's only thrown 14 passes this season. Whereas you look yeah. at Michigan State, um, they can, I mean, they're known as a running team. They can still pass the ball. Like Peyton Thorne has looked good. He has some pretty good receivers with him. Um, or I shouldn't say Peyton Thorne's look too good, but that's, I mean, he, that's Peyton, not bad. That's He's not Peyton bad at all. With Kenneth Walker on the field where the defense, every single play is going to have to count for Kenneth Walker. So that frees up your receivers and that frees up your passing game a lot more. That's true. Without Kenneth Walker, what is the Michigan State offense? And the answer is we don't know. And I think that's a serious unknown. We don't know what Pitt is with, without Kenny Pickett either. There is really too much to, that we don't know to, to have an accurate read on this game and have a read that we can be confident in. And I'm, I'm picking Pitt by a lot uh, just because I think Walker is that important to what Michigan State does. But I'm not confident in that <laughs> because yeah, um, I, mean, I think for me, yeah. what's more important than Peyton Thorne's performance is the O-line's performance. Because mm-hmm. uh, when I look at the Michigan state, Ohio state game, a game where Walker got few carries because Michigan state was down early. They needed big plays, big passing plays to get into it and it didn't happen. Um, the biggest problem that Michigan state ran into was the fact that the Ohio state D-line was swarming Thorne and getting him to lose yards in just about every single play. So I think it's going to come down to more how the O-line steps up than as Thorne, but I just feel like I at least have somewhat of an idea of what I'm going to get from Thorne. I think we're going to get a decent, um, you know, just an okay performance from Thorne. I have no idea how Patty's going to do for Pitt. I, I, I just think that – I don't know. I think Pickett was a – I think Pickett had more to do with Pitt's success this season than Walker did for Michigan State's. Maybe that's my hot take of the day. Maybe that's where we disagree. But yeah, I don't I, that. I still I think it's gonna be. I still don't know much about what's gonna happen in this game, but I'm going with Michigan State in the 34-31 nail biting win. Uh, here's why I disagree is because I think Michigan State was K- Kenneth Walker was Michigan State's offense when they needed a spark. It was always Kenneth Walker. And Pitt, I guess to an extent, you know, Kenny Pickett was the guy throwing the passes, but they have an excellent receiver group. And they were a really smart schematic team. I, I really liked the concepts they used in the passing game this year. And now they're not going to have their offensive coordinator. Obviously, the playbook's not going to change, but they don't have their offensive coordinator anymore. He's headed to Nebraska. That, by the way, is a huge get for Nebraska. And I think it's really going to turn around their team next year. Um, I'm I'm very confident in Nebraska next season, by the way, assuming they figure it out at quarterback. Um, and, and without Adrian Martinez, I think Nebraska can figure it out at quarterback. I was never a huge Adrian Martinez guy. And if you listen to this podcast, you wouldn't be surprised by that take, but um, I, th- I think Pitt schematically is such a horrible matchup for Michigan State's defense. Pitt is going to throw the ball all night long, and Michigan State cannot contain the pass against any team in the country. They couldn't contain Aiden O'Connell. They couldn't contain C.J. Stroud. Well, I think those are better quarterbacks than Patty for for Pitt, who who's barely played. I think the Pitt scheme and the Pitt receivers are strong enough to where it can make up for a lot of uh, what not having Kenny Pickett did. And by the way, I think that if Patty lights it up for, for Pitt, like I'm kind of expecting, number one, it could have some racing questions next year for who's going to be the starter at Pitt between him and Keaton Slovis, assuming he has a good game. And number two, I think it's going to raise some questions 
about Kenny Pickett's draft stock and if he was just really a product of the Pitt system. I don't think that's the case, but you know, th- those are the questions that NFL teams are going to have to ask. Which is why it would be a good idea for him to play this game. Exactly why it would be a good idea for Kenny Pickett any to doubt play. That he a great quarterback put up some unbelievably madden numbers against Michigan State's defense. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, the 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 Walker opt out makes a whole hell of a lot more sense than the Pickett op, opt out does to me. The Pickett opt out, this was such a match made in heaven of a matchup for him, and he turned it down. I don't get it. Maybe he has an NFL team telling him right now he's going to be a top five pick. Hey, if that's the case, and they they say you're going to be a top five pick, don't play so you don't get hurt. I guess I get that, but. At the same time, like th- this seems like a really good case to build your draft draft stock, and I don't even know how likely my hypothetical I just came up with is. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we're in complete agreement that ticket it would have made every bit of sense for him to play this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I still think Pitt's going to win this game, and and Reed because of that pick opt out does not think Pitt can win. He thinks Michigan State is the victor here. So. Moving on out of the New Year's Six, we've got three New Year's Six teams uh, in the Big Ten, Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Uh, Verbo Citrus Bowl, number 15 Iowa Hawkeyes, the Big Ten West champs who got destroyed by Michigan and have not had any semblance of life on offense for about three months against the number 22 Kentucky Wildcats, 1 p.m. ABC, New Year's Day, Campbell World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Iowa, second trip to the Citrus Bowl all time. Uh, First time in what will have been 17 years for Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. Can you believe that? Isn't that, isn't that weird? Kind of, I don't know. It feels like this is such an Iowa, like nine and three bowl game. And yet they haven't played in it in 17 I years. I, I kind of see Iowa's more of a perennial eight and four, seven and five, than nine and three, but yeah, yeah that's true. But you, you would think every once in a while they could get to a citrus bowl and they just haven't been, been a lot of outback bowls, but no citrus bowls. <laughs> uh, so I was back here in the citrus bowl to hang on Kentucky. Uh, I think these are two very different teams. Uh, hey, Reed, we could talk about one of your favorite big 10 players. We didn't get to talk about this season. Will Levis, a guy you were always very high on at Penn state. Now it's the quarterback at Kentucky, and he was the starter, and he had a really good season throwing the football, believe it or not, and mixing mayonnaise into his coffee. Unfortunately, he couldn't get into the Duke's Mayo Bowl, but uh, Will Levis in the Citrus Bowl, I kind of missed talking about him in the Big Ten. I think Penn State missed him this season too, uh, particularly in that Iowa game when they didn't have Sean Clifford and they had to rely on Roberson, who had one of the worst quarterbacking performances I think I've ever seen out of a Big Ten quarterback, you know. And that's, that's not me trying to, to, to be mean to him, but that, that absolutely cost Penn State the game. And we talked about that the week of uh, Penn State missed Will Levis this season. So, uh, you know, going up against Iowa, uh, something that Penn State wishes they could have been able to say for Will Levis this year. Um, I like Kentucky in this matchup just because of how poorly Iowa's offense has played the last few months uh, and how well Kentucky's played. I, I think Kentucky's a lot better team than the record says. Um Certainly, I think Will Levis is a better quarterback than whoever it's going to be for Iowa, whether it's Padilla or Petrus. Um, this is a good team. This is a good Kentucky team and a program moving in the right direction under Mark Stoops. Definitely a, a perennial bowl team and a team that I think can, can in the next couple of years, maybe win an SEC East title uh, if Georgia has a down year. Yeah, this game, um, I don't think Iowa will – stand too much of a chance in this one i agree um yeah. i think kentucky is going to give them chances to take the lead and to win the game and they're going to refuse to take it 
kind of like how they did in the Big Ten Championship. Sounds about Michigan. right. Yeah, it sounds Michigan like Iowa. <laughs> gave them, Michigan made mistakes in the first half. They gave Iowa chances to give them to, to make themselves competitors in the game, and Iowa refused to take those chances at every opportunity. I think this will be a similar case. I don't think Iowa's going to win this one, and I'll be quite honest with you. On this day, uh, on New Year's Day, in the morning, of course, in the afternoon, I'll be watching uh, Ohio State take on Utah. I'll be flipping channels right now uh, on New Year's, New Year's morning, uh, the day this is taking place, I'll be flipping channels between the Outback Bowl where Penn State is playing Arkansas and the National Predators game against the Chicago Blackhawks. Nice. I will definitely stay in tune with the Kentucky-Iowa game, um, but unless this game takes a rapid turn in, in a way that I'm not expecting, I don't think this will be an interesting one to watch at all. I think this will be this one of the biggest news yeah. fest of bowl season. Yeah, it's the Iowa offense. This sounds about right for Iowa. It's Iowa a Brian Ferentz offense. Like, <laughs> it's a Brian Ferentz offense. Like a, that's a, that's that's a like the, yeah. Sounds like the opposite of what we were describing for picking against Michigan State. This sounds like a match made in hell. Uh-huh. I hate for this matchup. Neutral yeah. college football fans. Um, I think it's a great matchup for, for Kentucky, Kentucky fans. I think they would love it. But yeah, I think Kentucky, it's a oh, yeah, Kentucky, Kentucky, I think, is gonna destroy Iowa. And here's another reason why I didn't even mention this off the top. Tyler Goodson opted out. Tyler Goodson's not playing. I don't think I agree with him declaring early for the NFL draft. Not not that I don't agree with him, like being you know opt out this isn't about the opt-out this is about me thinking he needs another year of college football because i think he's really good running back i don't think he could play in the nfl next year um i just don't think think, ready yeah i think he he doesn't i I think last year was more impressive for him than this year was i think he he took a step back this year i agree i think tyler Goodson took a step back um i don't think he's ready to play at the next level but you know what? That's his decision. There's a lot of money in the line, and a team is definitely going to draft him because he is still a good running back and a guy who's got a lot of potential and can be a great NFL running back. Um, if I were him, I would stick around and hope Iowa switches offensive coordinators and maybe see if, if he can improve under a new system. But I don't know if Iowa's going to switch offensive coordinators because of, well, Brian Ferentz being Kirk Ferentz's brother, even though Brian Ferentz has been one of the worst offensive coordinators in the entire country. And just about every Iowa fan will let you know that. But um, Iowa without Goodson does not have a prayer of winning this game. Also without Tyrone Tracy, who's in the transfer portal. um, Those are, I think, their two best offensive players besides Linderbaum. Iowa does not have a shot at winning this game. I'm going to be honest with you. Not a shot. I've got Kentucky here. Uh, 42 no that's too many points this is still iowa 31 to 6 kentucky 31 to 6 you know i'm gonna say in games in bowl games i i I will put i'm gonna give iowa a chance because in bowl games where i don't give teams a chance they they somehow end up winning every time i completely write a team off in a bowl game somehow it comes back and bites me in the tail and they end up shocking the the outback bowl last year Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I did. I, I, I saw I didn't see it coming, but I saw Ole Miss giving Indiana a game there. Um, I'm just saying historically when I'm making picks and I think, you know, who, who am I super confident in? Sometimes the team where I'm thinking I can't see a universe where they win this game, they end up winning the game. So I will say uh, let's be on the lookout for that. But with that being said, I'm going to go with Kentucky 34-14. Touchdowns is a lot for Iowa. Are they defensive touchdowns? Pump blocks? Um, I'll say one offensive, one non-offensive. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I'm gonna say they get a defensive touchdown and uh, and go for two late and uh, or maybe not late, but they go for two and they miss it. 
I can see that happening. Six points. Yeah. All right. Next game. Outback Bowl. Penn State and Arkansas. Number 21 Arkansas against seven and five Penn State. I have seen a few people saying that this seems like a, a bowl game above Penn State's reach, you know, the Outback Bowl. But I think Penn State's the best seven and five team in football. Uh, their record does not say how good their team is. It's a really good football team that had a tough schedule and, and caught a couple bad breaks, particularly against Iowa. Um, I think Penn State's a better football team than Iowa. No doubt. When you look at the last couple of years of the Outback Bowl, we had a 10 and 2 Minnesota team in 2019, a 6 and 1 Indiana team last year, and then 7 and 5 Penn State this year. Something about that feels wrong, but at the same time, you look at what the Big Ten is selecting from here. It was really the only decision they could have made because, well, Penn State won the head to head against Wisconsin, and you're not going to put Purdue or, or Minnesota or Maryland in that spot. So, yeah, Penn State makes sense here. Yeah, and I think this is a game to be excited for. This is the beginning of a great New Year's Day slate. Um, Penn State, see, these are two teams I think were – I think these are two pretty solid teams. Um, and, I, and I would totally disagree with anyone who says the Outback Bowl is too good for both Penn State. I think this is perfect for them. And I was thinking Penn State was going to get screwed and they are going to be put in some sort of pinstripe guaranteed right to that game. I'm super happy they got this Outback Bowl bid because I think they totally deserve it. 7-5 doesn't accurately tell the story of the 2021 Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, I think they finished off the season well. The entire year, there have been games where they could have won. You know, you look at Iowa, Ohio State, um, even Illinois. I mean, the Illinois loss was kind of freakish. Um, Michigan State, they could have won on a different day. Had a couple things gone differently. Um, I think this is the one where it finally goes their way. I think this, this will be a a good win in the past Penn state teams. Uh, they've had good seasons and finished them with bad bowl game results. I think this will be sort of the opposite. I, and that's not to say Arkansas is not a good team. I think Arkansas is great, but I think, um, first of all, I don't think they're going to want it as badly as Penn state. Second of all, I just don't think they're as good of a team. Um, they had to run through a gauntlet in the sec West, a division where every single team went bowling. That's kind of mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. And they looked pretty strong in that division. They almost they beat Alabama. They were a two-point conversion away from beating Ole Miss. They're similar they to Penn State in that way. They're very yeah, exactly. similar to Penn State exactly. that way. Yeah. They're, they're super right, similar right. teams. Yeah. yeah. So I think this will be one of the most exciting games in bowl season. Outside of the New Year's Six, this is probably the game I'm most excited for. Great. In the bowl season. It's kind of like, you know, you know how the Alamo Bowl is typically a super exciting non-New Year's Six game? This is oh. kind of like that, where this is – this is one where it's it's not it's not one of the big games where, um, you know, you're in an NFL stadium, everyone's eyes are on you and everything. Well, you but, are in an NFL stadium. Oh, that's right. Wait, no, is this one not in? Um, oh no, see, I was thinking of the Citrus Bowl where it's in uh, Orlando. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, I guess this one isn't. It, it is in an NFL stadium. Yeah, it's in the Ray J. You know what I'm saying? Though it's not one of the hugely advertised games. It's not one of the ones where, um, you know, you're announced on the selection show right after the playoff. Um, However, this is one that I am really on the edge of my seat for. I think Penn State comes away with a 31-27 win. I was going to say 33-31 Penn State. Yeah, and I think uh, and another reason for this is, is because Sean Clifford, he is, he's coming back next season. He's all in on the Nittany Lions. I think he balls out in this one. I got to go Penn State here. I'm going to take Penn State too. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you at that exact same point, Reed. Um. But, yeah, these are super even teams. This is fun. Fun game. 
I, I don't really have any thoughts you didn't say. Um, this is a fun game. That, that's all I can say. Uh, I'm ready to move on. Uh, SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl. Wisconsin and Arizona State, very dissimilar teams here. Big Arizona State offense and Wisconsin is. Well, Wisconsin, you know what Wisconsin's like. December 30th, 10.30 p.m. on ESPN at Spaceship out in the desert in Las Vegas. Um, first time a Big Ten team plays in Las Vegas Bowl. Um, a 10.30 is horrible for all of us Big Ten fans in Big Ten country. And for Wisconsin fans in Central Time, 9.30. Uh, it's going to be a late one. However... Uh, Big Ten after dark. I'm here for it. Uh, this should be a fun game. I think, though, Wisconsin is not going to have enough to hang with Arizona State. Jaden Daniels, quarterback for Arizona State, is not really a great passer, but he can move. He can, he can complete the short ball better. Um, and I certainly trust him more than I trust Graham Mertz. And then you look at the two head coaches, too. You know, my, my picking strategy, trust Paul Christ on defense more. But, you know, Herm Edwards has, has gotten Arizona State rolling the last couple of years. Uh, a Paul Christ defense is always going to be tough, but. Arizona State has a very good offense and has had a very good offense for the last couple of years out there in Tempe. So, Reed, by the way, uh, for those of you unaware, these teams have met in a bowl before. Reed, do you remember what happened last time these two teams met in a bowl? I'm trying to – was it in the first and 10 era? Because I don't remember this game. I don't remember no, ever This was this 2013. Joel Stein. Oh, I was not going to remember that then, no. Okay. 2013, Joel Stave is the quarterback for, for Wisconsin. So, was it the Holiday Bowl? Just guessing here. Um, I don't think it was. I I forget what bowl it was, but the, the important part of it uh, is this. Wisconsin, instead of spiking it, they just put the ball on the floor and the clock ran out and they lost the game when they were going to kick a game winning field goal. If they spiked it, um, it was the most embarrassing play ever. And uh, they lost the game because of it. So that brings up some bad memories for Wisconsin fans. And uh, I think Arizona state wins it anyway. I think ASU wins this one. Um, and I agree. It's horrible that this game is at nine thirty central. Um, and I believe Wisconsin's on social time. So 9.30 local time for Wisconsin fans, 10.30 for uh, Big Ten fans who are in Eastern time. Either way, whether in the, in, in the Big Ten, wherever you are in Big Ten country, it's either 10.30 or 9.30 for you. That's horrible. And I get that it's in Vegas, get the Southwest, but mm-hmm. I hate that. Um, regardless, though, I'm excited for this game. I, I think the stadium's awesome. That's the main thing I'm excited for here. Um, but I don't know. This is going to be a fun one. I agree with you, though. I think especially after the Minnesota loss, I just, just can't see Wisconsin coming in, beating a team like ASU. I mean, ASU hasn't really looked that strong. I thought they were going to come in here. I thought this was going to be your Jaden Daniels really breaks out. Mm-hmm. Hasn't quite been the case. They've had some pretty disappointing results against teams that aren't great out in the Pac-12. This year, the Pac-12 was pretty weak. Um, few Pac-12 teams went bowling. Um, and ASU has had some pretty disappointing results, but Wisconsin yeah. has had a fair share of disappointing results. As oh, well. absolutely. By the and way, right I as they start running upward near the end of the year, it, it all kind of fell off a cliff. And I think mm. this is going to be a the Minnesota game. Yeah. Wisconsin team that just kind of has little to play for. I just think this will be a disgruntled Badgers group that 
isn't able to come up with a win, I think the offense will struggle to get anything going. I'm going to go Sun Devils 24-10. Yeah, I was going to say 27-13, uh, Arizona State. Uh, by the way, that was not a bowl game the last time these two teams played. It was a regular season contest in Tempe. And yeah, the ending, Wisconsin puts the ball on the ground instead of spiking it. Joel Stave loses Wisconsin the game in regulation, 32-30. to that seems like the most Wisconsin way to lose a game. Yeah, that's that, that's that's Wisconsin quarterbacking to a T. <laughs> the one time you need to throw an incomplete pass, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wisconsin. But anyway, uh, that is a game that's happening. It is the SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl. Anyway, next game in Reed Murray's hometown, Nashville, Tennessee. Down by the river. In LP Field. It's not called LP Field anymore, but I'm going to call it LP Field anyway. Uh, Nissan Stadium, home of Nashville SC, home of the Titans, uh, and home of Reed Murray. Purdue and Tennessee, uh, two teams that I have history with. Um, let's not get into it, but uh, Purdue and Tennessee. Tennessee basically getting, I think, a de facto home game in Nashville. Purdue, no George Karloftis, no, no David Bell. And without those two players, Purdue also has, in my mind, no shot. Give me Tennessee here, that explosive offense. They, they've turned it around offensively this year. Uh, Tennessee 34-13 to 13 here is my pick. I think it's great when either Vanderbilt or Tennessee end up playing in the Music City Bowl. Uh-huh. Um, always a good thing to see. And this, for me, this is kind of like the diet orange bowl. Cause the orange bowl is a game where <laughs> the two teams I don't like, um, of course, I don't need to get into why I don't like Michigan. My brother goes to Georgia tech, so I can't like Georgia in the slightest. This is kind of like a watered down version of that. I don't like Purdue. I mean, Ohio state kind of got their revenge of Purdue this year. Um, not quite. I mean, it, because the Purdue, the Purdue win against Ohio state in 2018, um, hurt hurt Ohio State a lot more than Ohio State's win did this year. But regardless, um, I don't know why I'm going off this tangent. I don't like Purdue. I don't like Purdue as an Ohio State fan who was hurt by them. I don't like Purdue as someone uh, with a close friend and multiple good friends at Indiana. So I don't know who to root for in this one, but I certainly know who to pick. Uh, and, yeah, I, I also – we've talked about this several times on the show. I hate the University of, of Tennessee's football team. Can't stand the balls. <laughs> But yeah. I do think, like you said, I think they explode. Puke inside of a pumpkin pump. color orange, Reed. <laughs> yeah, they're low down, they're dirty, and they, they some are... snitches. They <laughs> some snitches, Reed. And and Reed, you know, because we, we don't get the opportunity to do this a ton, and, and we certainly haven't had the opportunity since the Gator Bowl in 2019 when they took on my Hoosiers. Um, to talk about Tennessee football and to just let you let it all out. So, Reed, let, let's get it all out of your system right now. What do you hate about the Tennessee balls? Let it all out. I hate Tennessee, man, because <laughs> I just hate them. They, well, first uh, of all, they Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what is he, he says. That- so, to those of you who have not seen this, by the way, this is a classic YouTube video. Please look up the Alabama fan talking about why he hates Tennessee on YouTube. It'll be the best two minutes of your life. Yeah, I, I remember him saying that the shade of orange, it's like you said, it's a puke inside of a pumpkin orange. It's not. He the hate all they quarterbacks. Like, yeah, he. He hates Auburn, or he doesn't hate Auburn. He just dislikes Auburn. He does hate Tennessee. Um, he hates Nathan, Philip Homer. He hates all the quarterbacks. Nayland Stadium looks like a looks garbage, like a garbage tru- truck, worker garbage truck workers convention. <laughs> yeah. Um, Please, if you haven't seen this video, you, you at home, watch it right now. Turn off this podcast. Go watch it. Come back. Thank us later. 
No, what I mainly hate about Tennessee is the fact that I live in Tennessee and I'm surrounded by their fans. I'm surrounded by their del- – all throughout middle school, I had to deal with delusional Tennessee fans who every year would say, this is our year. Finally, Tennessee is going to be good. Once Tennessee was at a one and three record and Ohio State was four. No, then they started talking about Peyton Manning and how Tennessee better had all had better legends all time than Ohio State. Whatever. It's all petty middle school nonsense, but I still hold that grudge against Tennessee. (laughs) And you should Um, for the rest of your life. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely will. Um, I'm always going to remember being in the state of Tennessee, having to see that puke inside of a pumpkin orange everywhere. (laughs) Um, So I, I will never be able to like Tennessee, but I think I'll root for them in this game. Um, Oh, eh, no, actually, I'll go because not only is it a team, it's confer- it's the Big Ten SEC, it's, it's conference conflict. I'm going to root for Purdue, but I don't think they have a chance in this one, like you said, yeah, without their two stars. They're, they're, uh, they're the two guys who carried their team. X's and O's plus just emotionally, I don't think Purdue has anything to fight for. I think this game will end 42-21, but I could see it going similarly to the last Purdue trip to the Music mm-hmm. City Bowl when they gave up, I want to mm-hmm. say, 62 points to a Auburn. A bowl record. And yeah, I, I I could see that happening. I don't think it will happen, but it wouldn't shock me. Uh huh. Wouldn't shock me either. I, Big I think ball win here. I think Purdue's gonna get crushed. I, I'm with you there, Reed. Okay. And and I'm happy for for some. I know some ball fans who live in ten, who live in Nashville. I'm sure they'll be going to this game. Yeah, no, uh, that's that's nice. Happy. Always the the local angle is always nice when you, when you get that for a bowl game. It's definitely gonna be good. Um, sell a lot of tickets. This should be a sellout, right? I mean, it's, it's not like uh, I don't know. Nissan Stadium rarely sells out for anything. I cannot remember the last time I saw full. It was full for the Monday Night Football game against the Bills. Other than that, Nissan Stadium always finds a way to not be sold out. But it should be a pretty packed crowd, I'll say. It'll be a good crowd. It usually sells out when the Colts are in town with, with Colts fans. Even then, it does. It, it never truly sells out. I guess it's hard for a lot of stadiums, too, just because, you know, there will be – it's also what it also is is the fact that there are lots of red seats at Nissan Stadium, and there are they so stick few out. fans who are red that the seats stick out. Um, and the red seats are also the most expensive ones, so, um, or at least they're some of the most expensive ones. So that also makes it look insider knowledge from right here, but especially you know for, for like Nashville SC when it's such a contrast when it's like yellow. Oh yeah, but I mean Nashville SC never. I mean we, they pretty much exclusively sell lower bowl tickets. They really right. Sell. Yeah, I mean yeah, I also love the fact that you that you said home of Nashville SC, home of the Titans. You have your priorities in order. Yeah, no, I I respect one team. You know who you're talking to? As a friend of as a friend of Reed Murray, number one, and as a fan of the Indianapolis Colts, I respect <laughs> one team a whole lot more than I respect the other. I will never have respect for the Titans. Um, I don't care how good they are. I don't care how bad they are they will always be a lower quality franchise than the Colts are. I, I feel that way about every team in the AFC South. I will never respect the Titans. I will never respect the Texans. I will certainly never respect the Jags. I respect oh, NSC. NSC is a real team uh, in, in the first couple of years. I, I respect them. They, they've done well. And, you know, getting that new stadium, I, I think is going to be good for them. So uh, that's enough MLS talk uh, for the first and 10. Uh, two more bowl games to talk about here. Uh, the Pinstripe Bowl, one of our favorites every single year. Uh lot of history in this one with, with stupid games and baseball stadiums uh and missed kicks that may have been made kicks but that's neither here nor there um, <laughs> you knew i was gonna say it right <laughs> you knew i was gonna say it uh, oh i had to say it because you hey, me off guard if you don't laugh you're gonna cry reed <laughs> no i i give you crap for that but i i, I pretty i remember walking out of the movie theater uh the day that game happened and i remember watching the highlight and i would, and i i actually i, I 
actually uttered the words, I said, this is the worst call I've ever seen in my life. It was the worst call I've ever seen in my life. Now, granted, I've seen worse calls since then, but what's when worse? I was about 10 years old, that happened. It had been the worst call I'd ever seen in my what's life. The, what's the worst call you've ever seen in your life? What's worse than the made kick that they said was a miss? Um, I don't know, but I know that I've said the phrase, that's the worst call I've ever seen many, many times in my life. I've probably said it, but I don't think I meant it the way I meant it when I, when I watched that play. So those of you who don't know, the end of the Indiana Duke 2015 pinstripe bowl, um, AKA the kick was good. Hoosiers allegedly missed a kick, even though if you watch it, the kick went in and that's an unreviewable play. So Duke walks it off and wins in overtime. Oh, can uh, I just say that that yeah. matchup, uh, looking at a highlight of it right now, that is that's the kind of game, that's the kind of bowl game you dream of, and that it's it's played at a baseball stadium, so it's nice and funky, and it is also <laughs> a color on color game. Mm-hmm. That is the stuff that dreams are made of. And I also, love a color on color bowl matchup. I love some Indiana Crimson versus Duke Blue. That's fantastic. And bo- both schools had good crowds because they both have big New York uh, alumni bases. True. Yeah. So so that was a cool game, but obviously we. I'm not over it. I don't think I'll ever be over it, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, this year's pinstripe bowl uh, after, did we have a big 10 team in the pinstripe bowl last year? Did we have a what? We didn't have a big 10 team in the pinstripe bowl last year, did we? Did the pinstripe bowl happen last year? Was there a pinstripe bowl last year? Wait, look, look this like up. There wasn't. I don't remember what happening because I was going to say the last one was Michigan State in 2019. Oh, it did happen. Yeah, no, no, that's right. Yeah, that, that was two years ago, the Michigan State-Wake Forest one, yeah. Michigan State and Wake in 2019, which was Kenneth Walker against Michigan State, which is just kind of funny. Um, was that the last one? That was the most recent one, yeah, so, unless I'm missing something in my research. So after a one-year hiatus, folks, the Pinstripe Bowl is back, uh, playing in the home of MLS Cup champions New York City FC. Uh, and also some baseball team. Uh, Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, uh, the Terps and Virginia Tech, a local matchup here, two teams uh, not too far away from each other with some history in the old ACC. Uh, 2-15, December 29th uh, on ESPN. Uh, this is surprisingly Maryland's first trip to the Pinstripe Bowl. And, yeah, they've only been in the Big Ten for seven years, but, you know, a 6-6 six and six level bowl game, you would think, hey, even on the East Coast, Pretty easy fit to see Maryland in it, but no. Uh, this is Maryland's first Penn State Bowl. Uh, Reed, this is a bowl game that makes a lot of sense for the Terps, particularly this season. Yeah, and, and like you said, I love seeing the old ACC. Um, I love when, you know, when, when Syracuse plays an old Big East team or Maryland plays an old ACC team or, you know, any of these old matchups when West Virginia goes and plays an old Big East team. Um Love seeing this kind of thing, and I do think that the ACC truly is Maryland's home, um, and, I, and I don't want to say they should be gone from the conference, but it's good to see them, you know, sort of going back to their roots with this nice bowl matchup. Um, I don't – I think it'll be a nice little trip of nostalgia for Maryland fans, but I think that the, the niceness will only last so long because I think Virginia Tech is the stronger team here, and I think they will prove it. I'm going to go with a 27-14 Hokies win in the Bronx. I'm going to take Maryland uh, 24 to 20. I think it's going to be a close game, a good one. Maryland's going to have an interim coach – or, excuse me, Maryland. Virginia Tech's going to have an interim coach for this game. Uh, Brent Price, their next head coach, he was the defensive coordinator at Penn State. Uh, the interim head coach here uh, for, for the staff is, is going to be J.C. Price. Obviously, Justin Fuente was fired after a really unremarkable – tenure at VT, a program that should be doing a lot better than it, it has been over the last few years. You know, they had a couple big wins this year. Um, they beat the rivals, Virginia. Uh, they hung with Notre Dame. 
uh, and they beat UNC to open the season, which was a pretty big upset at the time. Um, this just doesn't feel like a program that's living up to its potential. Third in the Coastal and, and a mediocre record. VT should be doing better, especially in a weak ACC. Um, and that's why Justin Fuente was fired. So um, I, I think it's time for Virginia Tech to start taking football more seriously. And maybe under Brent Pry that happens. Like he's a good defensive coordinator at Penn State. And he should be a, a good fit as, as the head coach of Virginia Tech if they can start recruiting locally better and, and not letting all those Virginia kids go to North Carolina like they have been recently. And then obviously the five stars go uh, anywhere outside of the DMV, except Maryland has recruited a couple of those local five stars. Uh, those are players that used to go to Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech needs to start keeping those guys home. So if they can do that, I think it's a program that could be moving in the right direction. But right now those guys are at Maryland and Maryland has done a good job recruiting. Um, obviously Maryland without Dante Demas is um, not not the same team and it hasn't been. Uh, Dante Demas is coming back next year though, uh, which I think is is big for them uh, to, to have another year of Demas, Jarrett and Talia. Uh, but right now it's, it's, Talia and it's Rakim Jarrett and that's better than anything Virginia Tech's got particularly without a head coach I'm going to take Maryland in this game I think it is still pretty close though because you know despite VT having some serious issues uh Maryland's not a perfect team and VT is still talented it's, it's still Virginia Tech at the end of the day so uh Maryland though I think is good enough to get the win here in the pinstripe bowl out in the Bronx you know I'm just looking at Maryland's resume and I know resume isn't everything especially when you're a six and six team but I just, I just don't believe in them. I mean, they, they have they've they've looked not great against the likes of Illinois, Indiana, um, teams like that. They got killed by. I mean, granted, Ohio State, Michigan were out of their league, but they got killed by Ohio State, Michigan. Um, didn't look great against Penn State. Lost in a not great way against the Minnesota team that I don't think is the cream of the crop. I just think Virginia Tech has more – they've just given me more of a reason to believe in them. So I'm going to go with Virginia Tech. And, Patrick, I actually want to – I want to challenge you on this. Hit me. I'm, I'm looking at the kick, the famous – or actually the infamous Indiana Duke kick was good kick. Yes. I got to say, I think they made the right call. I'm looking at it. I think if the upright was taller, I think it would have hit the upright and gone out. I think that ball hits the upright if the upright was slightly taller. I, I just – I don't know. I, I don't believe the kick was good. Dagger in my heart, Reed. <laughs> Your words are like a knife to my heart. I also – the, the I, I know that Indiana fans love these, but the chrome-colored candy stripe helmets, can't stand them. Oh, they're beautiful. Cannot stand them. Just wait until you get me talking about the ovals, Reed. Hmm. <laughs> You know, Indiana didn't make a bowl game, but act like you were going to keep us from talking about Indiana football in the first time. <laughs> so somehow they find a way into every episode. Every single time. That's right. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. But I know you would not. All right, are you ready to move into the guaranteed rate bowl? One final game. The G rate. to be excited about. The G rate bowl, another baseball stadium game at Chase Field, the home of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and not home to a soccer team. Although it'd be kind of cool to see Phoenix Rising play there. I think they could draw a good crowd, especially if they end up getting bumped up to MLS. Like I think they should because I think they're one of the best and, and most popular teams in USL. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> we don't need to talk about second division American soccer. You're on the first and 10. Uh, December 28th, uh, 10, 15 p.m., another late night kick for 
a Big Ten team. I'm not a fan of that. But December 28th, West Virginia, Minnesota, two East Coast teams, well, a uh, well, Midwest team and an East Coast team, uh, on late night, 10 o'clock kickoff. I feel bad for, for the fans of these two teams. Uh, yeah, this is late. Not a fan of, of the kick time, but Minnesota played well down the stretch. Um, got that big win over Wisconsin. Not something they say all too often. Uh, in West Virginia, I, I was never too high on, or really this season. I didn't watch much West Virginia this year, if I'm being honest. I don't know a ton about this team. But I do know that Minnesota has faced a lot of adversity this year, and they've responded well. And I do know that I like Minnesota, uh, especially after that Wisconsin game. I didn't really like them a ton going into Wisconsin. Coming out of Wisconsin, I feel very differently about this team. I feel differently about them going into 2022 as well. So if they can win this game, I'll have a lot of confidence in them going to next year. I'm going to predict them to win this game. Give me Minnesota here. 21 to 17. You know, I like West Virginia in this one. And I say that because like you, I didn't watch much, much West Virginia. I loved what I saw with them against Oklahoma. I think this team has grit. I like what the defense put on there. Um, I'm seeing, I'm feeling a West Virginia close until the very end. 31-20 Mountaineer win. And I also have to say with this game, the fact that it's called the Guaranteed Rate Bowl and not the Guaranteed Rate Cactus Bowl, or so, the, the fact that it has a cactus in it and the game used to be called the Cactus Bowl and it's not called the Cactus Bowl currently, it breaks my heart. Um, and I also, there's there are a few things I love more than football games, specifically, specifically bowl games in baseball stadiums. But this game, after the TCU-Cal um craziness where there were I, I think what was the final score nine to six or something and it was the most interceptions in a football in a college football game the ever because this was the cheese it bowl at the time the cheese int bowl int yeah, yeah that classic. that game has kind of scarred me and oh man hopefully i can get excited for this one but the name guaranteed rate bowl the the history of the chase field bowl where wackiness occurs the fact that it's this year's Minnesota team, this game just has some horrible energy surrounding it. I agree. Kind of a – not to use the overdone meme, and I know it's been beaten into the ground, kind of kind of the sickos game of the Big Ten. Oh, this is absolutely the sickos game. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that meme has been done by everybody a billion times over this season, but, but it feels applicable here because – the baseball stadium, two, two teams that, you know, the history of the game and, and this year's Minnesota team, a very Jekyll and Hyde team that, that's been hard to predict and, and doesn't really have a ton of star power left on it. Um, and West Virginia, I think you'd say the same. This just feels like it's going to be ugly. And I think 21-17 might be a generous score. You know, now that you say it, now that you call it a sickos game, I'm actually excited for it because I am a proud sicko. <laughs> And I'm actually going to look forward to this one now. And I thank you for giving it that label. Yes. Ha ha ha. Yes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's bowl season in the Big Ten. Nine games, potentially ten. Uh, I think we'll find out by Friday if we're going to see Illinois or Rutgers in the Gator Bowl. But that's all we've got for today. So, Reed, I'm excited for bowl season. You're excited for bowl season. It should be fun. Uh, and it's always sad to see college football come to an end. But Hey, bowl season's fun. It's it's good to go out with a bang. Uh, anything else from you before we wrap up? I just want to ask you really quickly mm-hmm. one 
Which game are you most excited for? Which game are you least excited for in the Big Ten Bowl games? If I'm being honest, my least excited game is the Pinstripe Bowl, uh, Maryland VT. Um, and most excited? Uh, Orange Bowl. Yeah, e- easily the playoff. Yeah, I think I think we could see a legendary game, and we'll get into that in our special Orange Bowl preview. Yeah, I got to say Orange Bowl for me, most excited, and then least excited. For me, it's got to be Music City Bowl because mm-hmm. I don't want to see another Purdue blowout. That's fair. Yeah, um, per- Purdue without also, their stars. Also, the fact that yeah. I'm going to be watching a game in Nashville while I'm in South Carolina, it, it just – I don't know. It's disorienting. It's, I'm gonna yeah. if I'm gonna watch the Music City Bowl, I want to be in Music City. That game, ugh, disgusting. I agree. But, it's a little uh, disorienting to see your home team play when you're not, you know, near home. Yeah, not quite my home team. Your home team. My home well, like, well, that's a you know, you're you're a Music yeah, City Bowl. Also, not my home team. No, 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 no. Not the not the team. You're, you're a Music <laughs> City Bowl fan. That's your team. You know what I'm saying? Just a yeah. Big fan I'm. You know. You know what I'm a fan of? I'm a fan of the Northwestern. Uh, Kentucky Music City Bowl from years ago. That was a mm-hmm. great Music City Bowl. Mm-hmm. Another one where I was not actually in Music City for it. A fan of Notre Dame LSU. That was a good one. That yeah, that one was pretty decent. Yeah. Still can't believe we got that as a Music City matchup. Seriously. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, that'll do it for today's episode. So thank you for joining us. Read anything else before we go? I, th- I might have interrupted you there. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing to say. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time in the first and ten to preview Georgia and Michigan. Until next time, take care. Bye.